Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right, welcome back, everybody. Here's the deal. I want to start off by saying this, that I apologize for kind of the tone that I had in the last episode. Um, you know, this gets to me. This, this kind of stuff gets to me. Everything that, of course, that I bring up on this show and everything that's going on in the world uh, is, is troublesome. That's putting it mildly. And every now and again, it, uh, it gets to me and puts me in a particular mood that I don't necessarily enjoy. But, you know, that's just kind of the way that it is. But I apologize for my tone sometimes during some of these episodes. I would try to wish anyway that I could make it a little more upbeat. But uh, there's a lot of serious stuff going on. And every now and again, it just flat out gets to me. So, yeah, my apologies. I remember, uh, you know, back in the day, Rush Limbaugh would even say a very similar thing. You know, some episodes he'd just be irate and uh, and just not care, and then he'd come back the very next day and apologize and, and basically say the same thing. He'd just say, "Hey, look, it's getting to me. You know, all this all this news and all the things going on and the destruction of a number of different things, people's lives. Pick an issue. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it gets to people. So I'm no different in that regard. And uh, my apologies for for my tone." If, uh, you know, if I sound a little depressed from time to time, it's, uh, you know, yeah, we're all human. And, uh, and this is, this is a tough thing to watch. It's a very, very tough thing to watch. So, okay. I have a ton to get to in this episode and I mean a ton. Let's get to the train derailment thing again, because this is, this is big and a lot has of course come out just within the last day or so. So I certainly have some audio that I want to play. There were a number of town halls that were taking place. Of course, Mike DeWine came out and gave a giant press conference. Uh, again, initially said on day one that people should uh, you know, avoid drinking the water and drink bottled water for a couple of days and blah, blah, blah. I mean, listening to his voice, I'll tell you what, there, there's not a, well, there are more blackmailed people, I'm sure, but he's certainly one of them. I mean, he is a he's 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 just a prime piece of trash. Um, I'm going to play a quick little piece of audio though from just yesterday, uh, regard when he was on Martha McCallum's show on Fox News, because again he changed his tune just within 24 hours. He goes from no, you can't drink the water, and you know, drink bottled water for a few days, to all of a sudden the EPA's tested everything and everything is fine. Again. I'm no expert in nonverbal communication, but I do know a great deal of it. And uh, when I hear Mike DeWine talk, he is a liar. His nonverbals are all over the place, too. It doesn't help that his giant Coke bottle glasses that make him, uh, again, look like that cartoon turtle from the Bugs Bunny cartoons just slowly slide down over his nose. Which, again, the, I don't know. The glasses are too big for his head. But either, <laughs> either way, he, just, he doesn't look honest. There's nothing about him that's honest. Keep in mind, this is the same guy who did the vaccine lottery. Everybody gets your jabs, proved you're jabbed, and then uh, you know, you'll, you'll be in the drawing for a chance to win a million dollars. And we'll have six of those drawings and uh, get your shots. So here's a piece of audio of him on Martha McCallum's show, basically doing a total 180. I have results back from all the wells, all the wells 
indicate uh, the testing is negative, it's clear. Uh, that water certainly can, can be uh, consumed by, by residents. I know people have been concerned about that. You know, we advise people until we got the testing back, we advise them, you know, don't drink the water, uh, you know, use bottled water. But the experts all along told us, look, these wells are so deep. Uh, we don't see that how that any kind of problem at so all. So you're you're assuring uh, people we, that we the drinking held, water is safe to drink. You said you just got these tests back and yes, it's safe to drink. But that, you hear that, what that, they're saying, Governor. Be, you hear you hear the folks uh, that Garrett Tunney interviewed, and and they they don't believe it. They say, you know, we've seen this show before in different situations. I think of uh, of you know nine eleven. Everyone was told, you know, it's the air's safe, it's all been tested, come back down. And then you see what happens 5, 10, 20 years later, people end up with cancer that then gets traced back to these situations. So, you know, bring in FEMA, set up housing, give this some time uh, to make sure that, that what you're finding now is what you're going to be finding a week, a month, and six months from now. Look, many people have gone to hotels. The railroad has been paying for them to be in the hotel. Uh, they certainly can continue to do that if they want to do that. Again, none of this has to do with telling the truth. None of it has to do with protecting anybody. It's just about making sure that every politician and every individual who is a spokesperson or a paid employee for these organizations, again, whether it be the EPA, Norfolk Southern, or anyone else involved, that they're all on the same page. As long as they're all on the same page and they all get that memo that says, okay, now we're going with this, and this is our this is our line of questioning, but more importantly, this is our line of comments if we get these particular questions. They just all have to be on the same page. That's really about it. What's interesting in this particular case, however, is the people are not buying it. And I absolutely love it. I love it. Again, the casual nature of saying, hey, if people want to stay in hotels, other places, then, well, they can keep doing that. But uh, we say it's safe and we're government and nothing is wrong with us and blah, blah, blah. The people are not buying it. In this other town hall meeting, which lasted over three hours, individuals were gathered inside of a gymnasium and you had this huge dude. And when I say huge, I mean he's one of the fattest, sweatiest dudes I've ever seen. And I'm thinking to myself again. If, you're, if you want to be taken seriously and, and a giant catastrophe like this has taken place, which again, I'm going to get into the specifics of it in a minute because it, there's a whole lot of individuals who are remaining anonymous who work within this industry and they lay out exactly what happened and what's going on and what's likely to occur again and again. And of course, we're seeing this all over the place and it's occurring all over the country at least five times in the last two weeks. But this particular guy who's sort of this go-between during one of these town halls, you've got, you've got the citizens essentially standing up, but they're also sitting down in the bleachers. And then you have the spokespeople standing behind this one guy who's sort of the moderator. And he'll take one question at a time, and then he'll hand the mic to the particular spokespeople for these organizations. Again, the people who are spokespeople for these organizations, they might as well be the PR directors for a K-12 school district. They say the same stuff. They say what they're told to say. It's not, it doesn't have to be the truth. They just have to say what they're told to say. And that's basically what was going on. They're saying, prove to us that the EPA says that this is fine. Show us the test results. And they're like, you can trust us. We're the EPA. Everything is fine. Because we're all here. I mean, look, we're all here and, you know, we're fine. 
Meanwhile, all these other news stations are going around talking to people and they're saying, I mean, they're interviewing individuals who are experiencing serious health effects. Now, again, jab-related or not, it's probably a combination of everything. Such a, you know, such a train derailment and a chemical explosion can't possibly help anything regarding the jabs or, or the jabbed individuals. I mean, it has to exacerbate every single illness that they have if they even had them to begin with. But uh, I, I just can't think of a worse spokesperson to have than a giant, fat, sweaty guy who looks like he hasn't shaved since God knows when. Uh, he's sweating through his shirt, and he's lumbering around, and he can hardly breathe. This is the guy, again, that, uh, that, that people are, are, are trusting or taking advice from or at least are trying to use as a go-between between the spokespeople for these organizations and the general public who live in the town. It's, it's nuts. Um, I don't know. Anyway, this is, an, this is another local uh, news outlet here, WKBN27, and here's sort of their wrap-up of some of that. This is based out of Youngstown, but here's sort of their wrap-up again of of what took place during one of those town hall meetings. Give this a listen. Breaking news right now at 5. Water testing results have been returned to the Ohio EPA from East Palestine. In a release from Governor Mike DeWine's office, officials said the results show no detection of contaminants in raw water from the five wells that feed into the village's municipal water system. The Ohio EPA is confident that the municipal water is safe to drink, but many people are still waiting to get more of their questions answered tonight. With that part of the story, let's go live now to First News anchor Dave Sess, who's in East Palestine. All right. Well, there have been hundreds of uh, questions people living near the trail derailment site have had for a cut for a week or so, and those were answered this afternoon in that hall behind me. But if that's not issue enough, there's another issue between Coke and Walnut Streets. While we were down here this afternoon, this huge tree uh, fell on this house. It's certainly a large tree. It's certainly an old tree. I don't know if the wind was a uh, Behind all of that, but it certainly fell on this house. I asked the homeowners there. They said nobody was injured in that incident. But again, to these legal questions, some of them are getting answered that people have, but there are also some which aren't. There's uh, many legal issues popping up, and most of us, we, you know, we really have no idea on how to handle any of those. Well, today, a group of lawyers were joined by a real estate expert, also a toxicologist, to share some ideas on handling some of those complex issues. They explained personal injury and property damage claims, then spent an hour answering questions. People wanted to know if they should take the reimbursement expenses or the inconvenience fee. Is the water safe? An 80-year-old asked if she will see any money from this. Some circumstances are different, but one thing's the same for everybody. All I know is I went to bed one day and woke up in the middle of a uh, toxic super site the next day, so it's like I don't really know other than that. Uh, but uh, I hope that uh, Gulfport and Southern will do the right thing. Uh, the lawyers also told the people to assume Norfolk Southern will do nothing to help you. Now, they encouraged everyone who has a rash, a breathing problem, or a medical condition to get it checked. A few people expressed that the doctors have told them they don't know what to test for in this situation, and they were told they could seek uh, medical help treatment in larger cities that might help them just a little bit better. That's the latest from East Palestine. Dave Sess, WKBN 27 First News. I always find the word usage to be very interesting. 
they'll use words like confident. We're confident that there isn't a problem. So they'll say confident all of the time. Well, confident is not what anybody would write in any kind of a research paper of any kind. You'll never see the word confident. We're confident that everything will be okay. We're confident that if this happens and blah, blah, blah. Confidence is the wrong word. They also use the word, you know, we hope. Well, we just hope. We hope that Norfolk Southern is going to do the right thing. We hope that this giant corporation that's been cutting corners for a very long time is all of a sudden now going to do the right thing. They've been making copious amounts of money because they haven't been hiring the right people. They haven't been hiring people, period, uh, because they want to cut costs and cut corners, and they want to make sure that they get more money in their own pocket. And I have a giant thread that I want to read regarding that. But that audio that you just heard, again, that was from a very small city council-based slash town hall meeting. It wasn't the, the larger one in the gymnasium that I was referencing earlier. I do want to play a little bit of audio from that if I can. But again, it was over three hours long. Uh, yeah, so finding one particular clip out of that might be a little difficult, but I, th I think I have at least one just to give you a taste as to the frustration in the room. Um, with that said, there were also non-disclosure agreements that are being passed around by Norfolk Southern and other individuals and trying to get citizens to sign them. Basically, the old, please don't sue us if you sign here kind of thing. They're also giving, of course, the $1,000 inconvenience fees, among other, uh, I don't know, other nefarious methods of, of trying to keep people to be quiet about the whole thing, not to mention they don't want them to pay attention to the long-term effects of it. And then, of course, you heard that news guy at the end basically say, well, if anybody has a health problem, you know, just go to a larger city and get, uh, you know, get, get yourself checked up and everything will be okay. Because it really is that simple, ladies and gentlemen. You can just snap your fingers and find yourself in a big city, in a giant hospital that's probably going to cost you a whole lot more. And then you can just snap your fingers and you're right back into your healthy house. Everything is that convenient. You know, we have teleportation. Everybody knows that. And you can just teleport from one place to the next and uh, be right back at work the very next day or within minutes because, you know, everything's worked out perfectly. You know, if there's one thing that drives me up the wall regarding all of this, it's the way in which news outlets and corporations talk to the common American. That pisses me off to no end. Every single time. And again, you know, bless their hearts. Because like I said, these, these Americans here are not taking it. I mean, they aren't taking it. A lot of them are walking in, they're sitting down, they're sitting in their pre-designed seats, they're looking at these long tables of these goons sitting in front of them, and then they're just having to do whatever they say or listen to whatever they say, ask questions and, and do whatever, you know, what, whatever they're there to do. Uh, they're not going to get the real answers that they want, and that's what the larger gymnasium outlet was really showing. I mean, it lasted over three-plus hours, but the people in the room were pissed. And there were multiple questions being asked, and they're going, wait, 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 everybody settle down. Everybody settle down. We can only answer one at a time. Hang on. Let me moderate and blah, blah, blah. There's a sheriff deputy in the background. I'm sure there's a bunch of people in the room carrying guns. Ohio's a constitutional carry state, thank God. Uh, but there's just pissed off people, and they look like they want to rip the limbs 
off of these spokespeople and the individuals who have been paid to come into this town and provide their pseudo answers. It really is interesting. But this, again, this is just proving that there's only so much that Americans are going to be able to take. And the one thing that most cannot take is lying. And if it takes lying to their faces for them to wake up, then, then that's what it takes. Now, here's the problem again with this audio. Uh, because it was in a gymnasium, it's next to impossible to hear. But you can, again, find the entire thing on Rumble, I'm certain. Uh, this, again, was the town hall in East Palestine, Ohio. One of the things that gets mentioned, you know, there's a bunch of questions. And like I said, there's a bunch of angry people, and rightfully so. And, and these aren't stupid people. I mean, these are hardworking Americans who, who know what's going on. And many of them, I might add, are in this business. They're in the environmental business. They know the testing procedures. They know a lot of the things that go on because they, they themselves have to do it within their own jobs. And again, many of them work for the railroad and many of them are farmers. And I mean, they know all the paperwork and they know all the things that, that go into such a thing. There was, an, there was an EPA spokesman and a federal spokesman for, for the EPA who both showed up. And a particular question was asked about testing. You know, what are, what are you doing and how long is this going to take? They immediately came out and they said that they are, they're still in the disposal phase. And then what they referred to as the remedial phase. And they said that regarding the remedial phase, whatever the hell that means, they said that they'll be in town as long as they have to be to make sure that everything is 100% fine. And then they bring up the business of home testing and air testing. One of the guys immediately interrupts and, and starts waving his arms around and he goes, you want an air test? He goes, let's go outside. He goes, Prove to everybody right now that the air isn't contaminated. Let's just go outside right now and you can do your precious air test. Everybody kind of gets quiet. The EPA guy, of course, gets real quiet. Then a couple of people start shouting and say, you know, don't yell so much and blah, blah, blah. Hang on one at a time. And then again, they, another person basically asks, so what happens regarding the home testing? I mean, you're, you're going to come into our house and you're going to do what? You're going you're gonna to test what exactly? The surfaces of everything, our roof, our AC units, the walls, the air, the water, and then what? You're going to get some result and then you're going to leave. And the EPA guy's like, look, I mean, we can come in and do as much testing as you want. You know, we can, we can test on a daily basis if that's what you want. We can test on a weekly basis, but we're going to stay here until everybody's satisfied that whatever else. I'm telling you what, I don't trust these people any further than I can throw them. And I don't think anybody else should either. Because in the end, they're checking boxes on a piece of paper and then showing you that piece of paper. And they're going to say, okay, look, everything's fine. Are they going to teach the citizens about the process who don't know about the testing process? Is that likely to occur? Do they even have a crisis mitigation strategy? Like I've read previously from that WHO document. You remember that? I was bringing that up and I was saying, look, any organization can use this if you just take out the words vaccine and immunization, and then they can cater it to covering up any particular crises that, that occurs. I, I, again, I, I think that that's one of the strategies being implored here, and, and I don't, uh, yeah, I just don't trust these people. There's no chance. You know, I also reached out to Dr. Robin McCutcheon because she lives uh, in southern Ohio, right in the Ohio River. And again, I, you know, I just said, look, you, know, you better be careful. 
I mean, pay attention to what's going on. And of course she is, and she's vigilant and her and her husband are very vigilant and they know exactly what's going on. But, uh, the Ohio river again has been proven to be contaminated all the way down to Cincinnati. So if it's tested positive for all these chemicals down in Cincinnati, well, the Ohio river stretches into the Mississippi. Then what? I mean, it's really incredible. This is this is quite uh, this is quite a nightmare for for a number of people. And again, the long term impact of, of what occurs here is is really yet to be seen. But we've already seen the short term impact, and it's not good. So there you go. I just wanted to mention that again. That's the that's the latest from where I'm sitting, and from what I'm paying attention to. Now let me get into why exactly this this occurred, because again, there's a lot of a lot of speculation, and I was speculating too. Again, sabotage. Why did you blow up the tanks? This, that, and the other. Uh, and and it is suspicious. There is footage, and I have seen it, of the wheels of the train going round and round, and they are on fire. And this was caught by someone's uh, security footage, so someone's security camera, approximately ten or twenty miles before uh, the crash, and allegedly. This particular train also had a problem, a mechanical problem on its route before it actually derailed. But now I want to get into playing this particular audio from the Threadreader app. And this is interesting because this is an individual who works in the business and is describing what's taken place with all of these freight trains. Uh, this is titled Chemical Warfare Against the Amish. And this is from, again, on Twitter, at Enon Amius, if I'm saying that right. Probably not. But uh, there's a particular TikTok video here that I want to play, again, of an individual working within the business. It's about three minutes long or so. And they're talking, again, about why this has gone on within this industry. And yes, it's about cutting corners. And it's about the company making money, not doing the right thing regarding all of the engineering and the infrastructure and everything that really should be taking place, in particular when you're carrying hazardous material. So give this a listen. Rail workers warned us about disaster like this. I heard firsthand months ago about the corporate practice of precision scheduled railroading. Precision scheduled railroading is uh, shorter staff, longer hours, longer trains, less safety, less maintenance. Do I have all that right? Oh, you got it all right. I okay. mean, a, a lot of the derailments that you're seeing on national TV is one of a few things. It's lack of maintenance on the track, or they've cut the track gains too short, and they can't get out to fix it, or they've cut the carmen's, which is the union that works on the rail cars. So uh, we have one derailment here in Northeast Ohio where a wheel flange was very thin and picked a switch and derailed the entire train. Luckily, it was full of candle wax and not something highly volatile. Rail workers tried to strike over this stuff, but were stopped by Congress. A few weeks later, and here we are. Several Norfolk Southern cars of toxic, highly volatile chemicals exploded fantastically in the tiny town of East Palestine, Ohio, 20 miles from where I grew up. So I met Clyde in East Palestine to ask him about it. It looks like a faulty bearing um, caused a catastrophic derailment. These railroads are turning profits hand over fist. They've cut their workforce to bare bones, and now they're paying the price for it because the wheels are falling off the train, basically. Carbon, we're inspecting cars about three minutes per car. That's always been the industry standard. Now it's 90 seconds per car. Is that because PSR? Yes, it's a rough job right now. And these guys are under pressure. I mean, they're working men and women 
and you know if they don't hurry up and get this car done they're going to be fired great points so i went to a press conference with norfolk southern and ohio governor mike dewine to ask them about this what could precision scheduled railroad have to do with the axle failure that caused the derailment i have no idea it's a mechanical issue Rail, precision scheduled railroading is a management process not a great answer and that's probably because norfolk southern let a worker take the fall rather than a single corporate executive showing up in the town that they polluted to be held accountable you see wall street owns norfolk southern 74 percent of shares are owned by a who's who of infamous hedge funds and this is the business model that they demand profit at any cost. And disaster like this is simply a cost of doing business. They cut everything, make all the money, and pay off disasters in tiny flyover towns from the profit. But instead of answering for any of that, they're betting that the corporate media, under the same pressure for extreme profit as railroads, will only ask questions about how much cancer people will get and not why this preventable disaster happened. So there you go. Cutting corners to make a profit, mechanical failures, Keeping trains moving no matter what. Again, I read some of those posts in the last episode. That's a that's all part of the plan here. And that was a terrible answer that that individual provided to that excellent question. And of course, DeWine looked like a... Ugh. I mean, he just looked like a deer in headlights. Well, what does this mean? I mean, why are you even there then? Why is DeWine even there? He's just a figurehead and nobody nobody likes him. But... He's there with all the real people standing behind him who know exactly what's going on, and the guy just shows up and says, well, it's a management procedure, and that's the way that it is. It's way worse than that. This is, I mean, as you heard in that report right there, it stretches all the way through Wall Street. It's just about making money. Now, here's another giant post on one of the boards that I read. This was was anonymous, but this was from an individual who works at Norfolk Southern, so they say. And it directly piggybacks, I should say, with what you just heard in that particular, uh, that particular TikTok video. So it's titled this. It's titled, A lot of people here have been asking about the derailment in East Palestine and want to know more about how this could happen. I work for Norfolk Southern as a trainsman, as a trainman rather, so I can shed some light on some things. Here we go. It says, quote, I'll start with a question I've seen most. What's this about the train ignoring several detectors and what what caused this derailment, quote unquote? All indications are that this was caused by a hot journal, quote unquote, failure. More on that later. Apparently, a doorbell camera saw the glowing hot journal pass. By some time before the derailment, no, I have not seen that video. Consider it hearsay for now. Well, it does exist, and, and I've seen that. In fact, the, trains, the, the, the train track behind my house, I've seen that with my own eyes. I've seen trains, again, where the wheels are on fire as, they are, as the entire car is spinning down, spinning down the track. It's rather ominous, in particular when it happens at night. Now, of course, I'm not up late at night to see every train that passes, but uh, I have seen it with my own eyes, and it's, it's odd. doesn't look good. It continues here, though, and again, I apologize for any of the typos or, or any of the uh, grammatical errors throughout this. It's, it's, 
potentially quickly written anyway. It says, quote, the detector people have been asking about is referring to a hotbox, quote-unquote, detector. It scans the train for heat anomalies. Heat anomalies normally happen when a car has a handbrake and has been left on. Happens all the time. Or if the car's air brake system, quote-unquote, sets up because of a bad valve or cold weather. This is also common. The reason the wheels get hot from this is because a brake shoe presses against the wheel so slow, to slow it, rather. But if the engine is pulling the car with the brake applied to the wheel, will not normally completely lock up. So a lot of friction, friction is the result. Friction equals heat. There's another way heat can be produced, period. If the journal, quote-unquote, or bearing assembly is damaged, worn, or maybe out of oil, it will also produce a lot of friction, way more than even a wheel with an applied brake would. This can and will get so hot that the steel can glow. That's, that's what I've seen, and that's what happened, I think, in this particular case, too, based, certainly based on the video. It said one guy said that he saw one 10 plus years ago that was melting, like dripping steel into the snow. Uh, this kind of thing isn't common at all, but we do hear of them once in a while. For example, a massive derailment in Gary, Indiana two years ago, just before Christmas, was caused by a hot journal. The hotbox detectors scan for heat, but sometimes the heat is minor. In this case, the detector doesn't trip an alarm or speak on the radio to the train crew, but instead the information is sent to the wayside quote-unquote desk in Atlanta to be monitored. This is called a trending hot, and typically the, re and typically the response is to just watch it and maybe set and release the train's air brake to see if that breaks it loose. In the case of the hot journal, the temperature will, will normally, but much higher. Not sure what that means. Uh, if the temperature is medium, the detector will speak a non-critical alarm on the radio, and the crew will then contact the dispatcher for instructions. It is normalish for the dispatcher to say 30 to the next, quote-unquote, meaning 30 miles per hour max speed to the next detector. This is a lazy answer. And it is done because the dispatchers hate stopping trains on the main line, but it happens every single day. If the temperature is high, the alarm will sound a critical alarm, critical alarm, quote-unquote. The train crew is re required to bring the train to a complete stop and contact the dispatch and the mock desk for instructions. The rule book is clear when it comes to critical alarms. The car must be inspected before the train can continue to move, and then the car must be set out at the nearest location that can accommodate it. In practice, this rule is follow 95% of the time, but it's not impossible that the chief dispatcher could order the crew to move the train or get it out of the way of some super hot shit train that is behind them. It's not right, but it, do, but it does sometimes happen. In fact, that's, that occurs with regularity regarding the train just stopping. Again, whether it's inspected properly or not, I know for a fact the trains stop on the tracks behind my house, but that's the way that that goes. Uh, let's see. 
It says, quote, in this case, unless you want to conspiracy about it, possibly, but iffy in my mind, then I'd have to assume the hotbox detector didn't throw a critical alarm and the crew was told 30 to the next, quote unquote. This tracks and the article I saw that said the train moved 20 plus miles at over 30 miles per hour. Uh, it says, I'd guess over just 30 means 30 here. So yeah, 30 to the next is most likely. The thing with hot journals is this. They don't necessarily get molten all at once. Very often a journal is maybe just warm to the touch for a long time, days maybe, because the damage inside isn't terrible. But as the metal warms, it expands until at some point it expands so much that it wants to seize up. When this happens, the friction inside goes through the roof and the heat goes with it. It's entirely possible in my mind that the journal in question was 350 degrees when it went over that detector. It didn't bark a critical, and then just afterward it seized up and the temperature spiked until that fucker melted. So there you have it says, the truth, as far as I can tell, no propaganda, no BS. The real question is, how reasonable is it to believe it was deliberately made to fail, to dump this shit on the Amish, or distract from fuck, take your pick, or just to plain fuck up the livestock and crops to further the food shortages? Personally, I don't like assuming that industrial accidents are foul play. Normally, I'd, stay, I'd say cutting corners or incompetence. But that fucking white noise thing, that is a fucking problem. It then says, wraps up and says, and don't forget, this isn't the only one of these right now. Once is unfortunate, twice is a coincidence, three times is enemy action. That's what they say. I'm still not sure, but I'm suspicious as fuck. And then they said, happy to answer any questions and blah, blah, blah. And a few people, again, asked some pretty decent questions, but... Again, they basically say it's it's safety measures. It's cutting corners. It's not uh, it's not replacing the pieces. It's not making them stronger. It's it's uh, taking older pieces and pushing them past their lifespan, and and again not replacing them. But again, we're allegedly sending money to Ukraine, and we're not doing anything regarding infrastructure. And if you hear the word infrastructure come out of government's mouth, it means, you know, more LGBT nonsense, rainbow flags for everybody. I mean, that's, that's their agenda. It's not actually fixing planes, trains, and automobiles. That's not it. So there you go. That was that particular individual's explanation. It seems to make sense. My, my question then is, is why did you blow them up? Why'd you blow up the tankers? Uh, once they were off the track, why didn't you siphon the stuff out? Or like I said in the last episode, just move the actual tankers onto a truck and then, and then truck them out. So I don't know. They didn't ask me, but I don't work for the business either. So that's the latest as far as I can tell, ladies and gentlemen, uh, regarding the train. Although I will say this, and I just heard this recently, so it's certainly worth mentioning here right at the end that um, apparently Norfolk Southern did not have any kind of a spokesperson there and, uh, they didn't want to show up, but they said that sometime in the future they will show up. Well, that's convenient. They don't even want to show up in the same town where their train went off the tracks because, you know, everything is safe, ladies and gentlemen, and don't look over here. They also had, uh, 
the new senator in Ohio here, J.D. Vance, show up, and this was a line he said, which is really disgusting. He, again, it's all political talk, but he, he essentially said this, and I'm, I'm almost directly quoting him. He said, we have to build confidence in the people who live and work here that it is safe to do so, that we have to increase the confidence of the people here that everything is safe. I think that's the wrong thing to say. Increasing the confidence among the people that work there that it's safe is basically we need to start telling them it's safe, even if it isn't. And then they will all of a sudden just start believing politicians again, and what we tell them is is actually real when in fact it's probably not. Uh, the the political speak is disgusting, but at least he was there for whatever that's worth. And uh, yeah, and Norfolk Southern was not. So other than that, that's all I have on the train right now. If more info comes out, which I'm sure it will, I will certainly bring that your way. And like I've said, it's going to be the anecdotal, quote unquote, the stories of the individuals who, who live and work there and are in the general area who are going to know what's really going on. And they're not going to stay quiet. And they shouldn't. So certainly jump on social media if they live in that area and continue to inform us so that we can inform other people too. Okay, moving on here, education and my God in heaven. Is there a ton of it? Uh, let's see. Let's begin with the Michigan State University quote-unquote shooting, shall we? Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Yesterday was an interesting day. I was in a giant text thread with a few individuals here, Sandy, Jesse James, and another person who follows Jesse and follows his show and contributes to his social media. Um, it's, it's beyond odd. So let's, let's begin here. I, I brought up the guy's name earlier. Apparently, you know, I was asking some, some questions regarding this again, as to whether or not it really happened. And I, I, uh, I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't think it did. And I'm going to start there. As you've heard me say, it's better to start there than start with, oh my God, what a, you know, what a catastrophe. You, of course, had this individual who put out a TikTok video, a female who is allegedly a student there, claiming that they were also a survivor, quote-unquote, of the Sandy Hook shooting. That's funny, because not a single fire, uh, or shot, rather, was fired at Sandy Hook. So what exactly did they survive? They also claimed in this video that, of course, this is the second mass shooting that they've survived, and they consider themselves lucky. Ladies and gentlemen, that's impossible. That's impossible. There are more of these quote-unquote double, uh, double mass shooting survivors that are coming to the forefront now, claiming, again, that everybody needs to have their guns taken away and when is enough enough, quote-unquote. Who believes this? Who actually believes any of this? This particular individual, who's rather mannish-looking, I might add, also stated that they received, when they were a child during the Sandy Hook shooting, a particular condition that is referred to as a PTSD fracture, that your bones can fracture 
when you are experiencing a traumatic event because you are locked in an anxious position. Now, I've never heard of this. I'm not claiming it's not real. I just have never heard of this. Frankly, it seems ridiculous to me. So I guess I am claiming that it's not real because it seems completely ridiculous. They claim, again, in their little TikTok video that they receive, which is, uh, again, it's in one of my war videos uh, as of late, but they they stated that because they were in the hunched over position covering their head, that they ended up getting a PTSD fracture in their back. And that that has aggravated itself, again, during traumatic events that this person experiences. I've never, I've never heard of that. Um, Jesse was also texting me, like I said, and he was giving me some specifics of the layout of the place. I asked him, it, was this a common area where these three individuals were allegedly shot and killed? And he said it's basically like a study, an open study area where anyone can go in. And then I asked whether or not it's one of those buildings that requires a key fob entry. Because again, they have security footage of the guy walking into the building and allegedly grabbing a pistol out of his coat pocket as he's walking down this hallway. So they have those pictures on security footage. But how did he get through this particular door? Why was it unlocked? Was it a key fob entry or wasn't it? It's the rare building that doesn't have a key fob entry on a college or university campus these days. Most of them do. And again, I understand that there are certain buildings that might not, but in this day and age, why wouldn't they? So you take those things into consideration. You take into consideration the fact that the quote-unquote survivor, who just so happened to uh, survive the fake non-existent Sandy Hook shooting, also apparently lived like across a river or something like that, multiple uh, hundreds of yards away, if not a mile away. And again, claimed that they were a survivor. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, That means that we all survived it, didn't we? Because I live in southwest Ohio, and I guess I survived it too. So I guess we should count ourselves lucky. And then, of course, there was another individual, a female, again, making a TikTok video saying, you know, when is enough enough? When when are we going to, you know, why is it that I have to be huddled in in my apartment? fearful for my life because the police bust in and say, you know, is everybody safe and whatever else? Uh, when is enough enough? Well, first of all, I don't think this shooting happened. I'm just going to start right there. Number two, it's a gun grab. We know that. Look what Joe Biden said during the fake State of the Union address. He's coming after the guns. Where, you know, it, it doesn't matter what they are or you know, what their capacity is or, or where the guns exist, they want the guns because they want us disarmed. They just love using these sheep and these useful idiots to do their bidding for them. And again, if they're college students, then what do you do? You make them panic and believe that an actual shooting take, took place when in fact there's no security footage of said shooting. Now, if this was a common area with lots of students, there would be security cameras. We would see this guy walk in, pull a trigger, have people fall over, there would be blood, and we would see all of this. Funny how we're not seeing any of that right now. I'm not saying we're not going to in the future. We might. 
And if they passed away, so be it. But I have no proof that that was the case. Apparently, one of the mothers of one of the victims was all over Facebook, basically just typing away, anti-gun this, anti-gun that, we don't need guns, we don't need guns. If you lost a child on a university campus because because a black man walks in and shoots them at point-blank range with a pistol, is running to Facebook to type your brains out the first move you'd make? Most people would be overcome with so much grief that they would be physically sick for days, maybe even bedridden. Not this mom, though. No, no, no. She was typing it up, typing up a fury, apparently. So, again, in this particular thread, they were sending me some photographs. One of the headlines, of course, from Gateway Pundit is, Michigan Democrats rush to pass new gun control laws after Michigan state shooting. Of course. It's, this, I mean, this is par for the course. This is standard procedure. Um, there's apparently a lot of rocks on the old campus of Michigan State, or one rock that just keeps getting vandalized. But, uh, you know, one person painted over it and it said, allow us to defend ourselves and carry on campus. And then somebody painted over that and wrote, how many more? Question mark. And then some other person showed up and you know, painted, let's all get along, or whatever the hell. Apparently, uh, flavor, and here's another headline, Flavor of Love stars niece killed in Michigan State mass shooting. What are the odds? What are the odds that Flavor Flav's niece would would be one of the quote-unquote victims? Another individual uh, was apparently a part of the fraternity there, and fraternities, as I've brought up on the show before, are, of course, recruiting grounds for three-letter agencies, including Freemasonry. So, yeah, I don't don't trust any of this at all. Uh, We have had enough. I think it's something that many of us are infuriated by and looking at my friends, knowing how angry they are, and they're impacted by this. I'm impacted by this. Maya Manuel, who helped organize the event, told News 8 Wednesday morning, blah, 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 blah. It's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, You know, with all that said, again, one of the females in the dormitories, again, was making that video, and I think I put it on a war video also, but she's, she's claiming she's, you know, deathly scared of people with guns. Well, then carry a gun on your hip. What's the problem? You should be advocating for you to, uh, you know, for politicians to allow you to protect yourself. You have the Second Amendment. You'd use it. Utilize it. There are concealed carry classes, I'm sure, in Michigan. You're, I mean, you're allowed to carry a gun. You just have to go through the process. Again, I've been through the process. Of course, now the process is useless in the state where I live. But either way, you go through the process. Carry around a a particular license that says you can conceal carry, find a gun, learn how to use it. Maybe you don't like that particular gun and you find a better one, then then buy that one. Trade in the other one if you don't like it and, uh, you know, buy another one. But my God, getting me again in, in a day like today to live on a college campus or anyone actually wanting to live on a college campus in a college dormitory, I have to tell you, it's remarkably unsafe, of course, for a variety of reasons. You're around the jabbed, number one. You've got the 5G and the wireless environment pumping through everybody's veins. 
And apparently you're not allowed to carry a gun on many of these campuses, let alone have a rifle or something uh, inside of your actual dormitory. So you're defenseless. Unless you're a wizard with knives and Chinese stars and you just want to start chucking them at people who are shooting at you. But again, I, I don't buy any of it. It's a political, uh, it's a political psyop f for another gun grab. I haven't seen any bullets. I haven't seen any shell casings. I haven't seen a drop of blood. Sorry, that's where I start off on all this. So if more information comes out, so be it. Apparently, and conveniently, this individual decided to just run away, found themselves back inside of their own automobile, uh, quite a distance from the actual shooting, and allegedly shot themselves. Interesting. Rather convenient. So yeah, again, the timing of the State of the Union address, saying they're coming after the guns. We know that Michigan has wanted the guns for a very long time. They want to be the next New York and California. And there you go. I, I really don't know what else to say. Beyond bizarre, but, uh, but that allegedly happened, and I'm not buying it. Here's the next one. More, uh, more evidence of the decline. Gateway Pundit, in 53 Illinois schools, not a single student can do math at grade level. If that sounds like the Baltimore City School District, well, yep, very similar. It says, in 30 schools in Illinois, not a single student can read at grade level, 22 of which are in the city of Chicago. Shocking. Shocking. Uh, the amount of money, good Lord, the amount of money that they spend per student. Lovejoy Middle School in the Brooklyn Unified District 11. I'm sorry, 188. They spend 17,663 per student, and they have an enrollment of 30 students. And it goes all the way up to, let me see, $52,000 per student. Do you see why they need these people in these buildings? Do you see why the public education industry needs to brainwash these individuals into remaining in their system? Because if you leave, it collapses. The amount of money that these schools get per student is astounding. 52000 and change. Here's another one. $56,000 per student and change. Douglas Academy High School in the city of Chicago School District, $56,311 per student. Honestly. Walk away and they will cease to exist. They can't keep the lights on if you walk away. But what are they doing on a day-in and day-out basis? I would love, well, I don't know if I'd love it, but I, I would be willing to do it. I would love to go to a, a city of Chicago school. Again, one day in an elementary school, one day in a middle school, one day in a high school, and just observe. Of course, I would uh, had my, have my head on a swivel that I wouldn't be attacked. But uh, yeah, it, it, talk, about, talk about an interesting observation day. Because I can't think of a worse place to teach. I'm sure that there are worse places, but this is a nightmare. Again, what are they actually teaching them? If not a single student can read at a particular grade level in 30 Illinois schools, what exactly is going on? I think we have a pretty good idea, and it's a whole lot of nothing.
And I've seen that again up, up close and personal, dating back to when I was doing my classroom observations when I was in college. I mean, I, mean, I remember we, we jumped on a giant bus and we went to Cincinnati. What a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. I'll never forget. The guy looked at me and he goes, man, all you got to do is just babysit. He goes, that's it. He goes, I make $65,000 a year. I come in here. I give them a worksheet to do. If they don't do it, then that's on them and they end up failing. He goes, but they're going to get pushed to the next grade level anyway. So, you know, what's it matter? He goes, you're basically just a, a really expensive babysitter. And he told me and the female student that I was with, uh, who was observing this guy's class, he, he told us both this at the exact same time. Again, I thought to myself, what the hell is going on here? There's no learning taking place. And that was Cincinnati 20 plus years ago. So, yeah, there you go. Here's another one. And this is a nightmare. And I want to spend a little time on this. In fact, I want to play the audio from this first before I dive into it a little more specifically. This happened in Springfield, Ohio at an elementary school very recently, just a few days ago. Uh, it speaks for itself. Absolute nightmare. Give this a listen. New at 6, Springfield police are investigating a possible assault at an elementary school. This involved two groups of students. Good evening, I'm Cheryl McHenry. And I'm James Brown. We have New Center 7's John Bedelli. He's live in Springfield with details he's uncovered in a police report. And John, you also talked with one of the victim's parents. James and Cheryl, we asked Springfield City Schools for a copy of the video showing what happened here at Kenwood Elementary. They refused, so I filed a formal public records request with the district for that footage this afternoon. Meantime, mom and dad tell me their son is traumatized. Ryan Springer and Ashley Henthorne told me they were upset they didn't find out about an incident at school on Friday until Monday. They said their son, a sixth grader at Kenwood Elementary, hasn't been the same since. A Springfield police incident report we got a hold of shows school staff told police they waited until Monday to report the incident to officers because they were still interviewing students involved. The report says it happened on the playground during recess when a group of black students had gathered several white students to a specific spot on the playground and forced them to say Black Lives Matter against their will, with some kids recording this. Police wrote the principal here told officers a few students who tried avoiding the situation were chased down and either escorted, dragged, or carried to the spot on the playground. Officers said one student was punched in the head. There are no formal charges right now, but the incident report lists an investigation into offenses of possible assault and menacing, something Springer said his 12-year-old should not have to experience, especially at school. I'm more upset of them. Of the assault part of it, of the children being forced down on the ground by other children and stuff. Not, not so much of them, ha like, making them say BLM because, you know, all lives do matter. The school staff should have recognized the behavior and the problem before it got that far. Mom says she noticed their son hasn't been himself since Friday. And I kept asking him all weekend, are you okay? And he kept saying, yeah, I'm just tired. And then when I got the phone call Monday about it, I was like, that explained a lot. We reached out to Springfield City Schools for comment today. They declined, saying this is a Springfield police matter. Springfield PD told us they're still investigating what happened here, and they'll work with prosecutors to review possible formal charges. We're live in Springfield tonight. I'm John Bedell, News Center 7. All right. Oh, my. <laughs> 
Wow. Wow. Oh my. There's so much here. So much to have fun with. Where to begin? Where to begin? Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, the school has your children's safety as their number one priority. We, of course, have heard that a million times. Let's make it a million and one just for fun. Uh, okay, first of all, I'll start with this. Have you heard of this trend or seen these TikTok videos of these white students picking up black students and, and hoisting them over their shoulders and carrying them and feeding them grapes and fanning them and sitting them down, all of these quote-unquote Black Lives Matter privilege video things that, that exist. This is a thing. This is one of those TikTok trends that, that does exist. Elementary school students, black students, I like how they say two groups of students. Well, it's a, a group of black students and a group of white students. Forcing white students to another side of the building to have them kneel down and tell the black students that black lives matter. But that's not the part that bothers the white dad. Not that part. That should concern him. That should be a major concern. But he doesn't know any better, and again, no offense, he doesn't look like the sharpest knife in the drawer, but, you know, whatever. The physical assault part of it is the, is the part that he doesn't like. Not the social engineering, uh, you know, forcing my child to kneel and say something to a group of black students who are making him do it by force. It's the actual physical contact that bothers him. Okay. First of all, this happens constantly in numerous schools across the United States, certainly since 2020. Thanks for nothing, government. Thanks for nothing, fentanyl-filled George Floyd. Thanks for nothing, George Soros, BLM, and these social engineers that, that exist. Um, it, 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 this is not new. And uh, unfortunately, it is an internet trend of, of things that are taking place. The sad part is, is you have people willfully participating in it. Now, you may recall, again, going back to 2020, I mean, it's a history lesson at this point. You had all the police officers taking a knee in multiple towns and cities. You had the CEO of, uh, or the president of Chick-fil-A washing the feet of a black man. I, I don't, I don't, this serves zero purpose. It's just social engineering to the bone. It's just another version of the ice bucket challenge. That's all that this is. But it is violent. And it is purposefully designed to destroy the mind of the child. It sounds like the white children weren't putting up with it. And hopefully that's what happened. Hopefully, again, that's a good thing. But this plays into a much larger problem, which is the homeschooling family is laughing their asses off right now because this never happens. They don't deal with this. This isn't a problem. This is the kind of behavior that takes place in a prison, which is exactly what these environments both look like and, and act like. This is the way that they are designed. The lack of supervision itself should bother people. Again, where are the aides? Where, where are the staff members? Where are the teachers? Why is it that they're, that they're allowed to just roam freely in a yard? 
uh, as if, you know, they're all going to be responsible human beings there, but they have to make sure that they are well monitored on a school bus and everywhere else within a building, but not during recess. It does not equate. It just doesn't. But again, it's the yard. They're out in the yard after their, uh, after their cafeteria meal that they receive in prison. And then once their yard time is done, then it's back to the cell for them. The parallels between prison and American K-12 schools are endless. They're just endless. I would instantly pull my, I wouldn't even send my child there, but I would instantly pull my child out of that building if that were the case. This too leads to a much larger issue, of course, which has to do with uh, suicide among K-12 students. It has dramatically increased in particular since 2021. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not really making this up. I'm just running off of memory. It was something like one out of 10 students had considered suicide since 2021. 10%. Not 10% had actually done it, but 10% had actually thought about it. This right here is a perfect example as to why that's the case. Child goes home after being forced to engage in some ritual or attempted, uh, you know, attempted to engage in some ritual, I should say, and then doesn't want to talk to mom or dad and seems a bit odd. And then mom and dad starts to wonder why they're acting the way that they're acting. And then before you know it, they get a phone call on Monday when this happened on Friday. And now that explains the behavior in the mind of the mother and certainly the father regarding their child's behavior. You're, you're, if your child can read and write, they shouldn't be going there in the first place. It's that simple. But again, these parents don't know that Abeka.com exists. They don't know that CalvertEducation.com exists. They probably don't even think that that, is a, that that entire homeschooling mentality of an individual being able to read, write, and think for themselves, that that is an actual thing. That's how strong the matrix is. Let me read this particular post too. This was on Gab because I put this on Gab and this is one of the responses I received. Interesting post from someone who lives in the general area. They said, I grew up in Springfield and went to middle school and high school there. The town has always been extremely racist against whites and the wannabe whites are even worse than the blacks. Ohio is a shithole. Springfield is also a child molester's hotspot. There was a church next to my house, and the Sunday school bus driver was raping children in the bus behind the church, 18 counts, if I'm not mistaken. Springfield and Dayton are garbage towns, and the court system is shady as hell, too. It's a cash factory. There's a saying here, and they have it in parentheses, come on vacation, leave on probation. Ohio is also number four in child trafficking. Ohio is not a good state to live in, and DeWine is hated, and he lives in Yellow Springs, just 10 minutes outside Springfield, where the whole town of Yellow Springs holds a Pride Month party for a month long. Stay away from Ohio, unquote. It's a bit strong, but I mean, yeah, you could say the same thing with just about any state in the United States at this point. But yeah, I mean, Yellow Springs is a hippie town. Most people know that. Dave Chappelle lives there. And uh, they love wasting other people's money and 
low-income housing tried to make its way into Yellow Springs. Dave Chappelle spoke out about that, said, we, we can't do that. We can't do that here. You're, you're well-intended people, but you're going to bring crime here, and that's a problem. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to add to that other than this is a giant societal issue. It, it stretches way beyond just the use of social media, and of course, that particular incident was recorded, apparently, and recorded by students. So students are allowed to have cell phones on the playground, apparently, but not inside the building, but outside they're allowed to have it, in particular when they're not being supervised. Got it. Makes total sense. Makes complete sense. Give kids their cell phones when there's no adults around. What could possibly go wrong? This is, again, a breakdown of the family, parental responsibility, adult responsibility, etc., etc., that's that's why this happens within school buildings all of the time, because all of those groups of people exist within that one environment. And that's going to lead to something that I want to mention here, too, in just a second. But I want to get to a couple other things which are really interesting also. And again, it's a, in a few minutes here, it's a bit of a debate regarding the censorship of social media, because apparently Josh Hawley, Republican senator from Iowa, apparently, wants... Uh, wants social media to be banned for minors. I, I, I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. And it's quite, a, it's quite a debate, and it's quite a tangled web. But I want to get to this first because uh, this is interesting. Cicely sent me this. This is from New Mexico and proposed legislation, apparently. And I want to read this particular act. There's two of them she sent me. Uh, let's see. The 56th Legislature State of New Mexico's first session in 2023. It's titled An Act Relating to Public Schools, Creating a Pilot Project to Demonstrate that the Availability of Wellness Rooms for Students in Need of, calm, of a Calming Environment to Self-Regulate Emotional Mental and behavioral stress will have a positive effect on student resiliency, student outcomes, and student behavioral health, making an appropriation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly that Westerville City Schools presentation that I brought up in a previous episode. This is it. There's that word regulate again and self-regulate. They basically want padded rooms in schools for the crazy students to go into when they're feeling overwhelmed. It's, it's creating a culture of mental illness when there isn't any. But they need the victims. Because if you have students attending these rooms, before you know it, they're going to be on social and emotional learning and uh, more specifically, I should say, special education paperwork. Once they're on that paperwork, the school gets more money. The school then has to hire more special education instructors because all of a sudden you have these A and B students who cannot self-regulate and want to take a break and find themselves in a padded room where they can listen to music and stare at their cell phone and become more of a zombie than they already are. There's nothing about these environments that's healthy. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Here's the next one. Again, absolutely ridiculous. The same session, 2023, State of New Mexico, an act relating to public education, 
enacting the Holocaust and Genocide Studies Act, providing Holocaust and Genocide Studies as electives in certain grades. Interesting. I wonder if uh, if there's going to be debate allowed in those classrooms because the Holocaust didn't happen. So, what exactly are we talking about here? It's indoctrination, but worse, it's brainwashing. Are they going to watch Europa the Last Battle in that classroom? I wonder. I highly doubt it. Is a student going to be able to do a... Uh, a project in that class on how the Diary of Anne Frank is a work of fiction and written with a ballpoint pen by her uncle, allegedly? Is that going to be allowed? Honestly, they're trying to make their brainwashing law. They're always trying to make their brainwashing law. There's no way around it. Which leads me to this, before I get into the Josh Hawley thing, and this will round out the uh, the education discussion for this particular episode. Thomas Massey, of course, has put forth now for the second time legislation to eliminate the Department of Education. And you've heard me mention this in the past and my, my particular take on this. I'm going to reiterate my particular take. And again, this is just my opinion. You can disagree. That's fine. Government has gotten so big that the weaponization of every single department, whether it be a three-letter agency, whatever, certainly the DOE is a three-letter agency, if you think about it, literally, anyway, not the ones that we tend to think about, like the CIA and the FBI, but the the DOE has become so corrupt that regardless of who is in office, it is a weaponized position. It either provides oversight regarding what goes on nationwide to some extent, or it ends up fueling the fire of degeneracy as much as humanly possible, which, of course, is the real reason why, one of many, as to why everything looks like the Weimar Republic all over again within American K-12 schools. Not an accident, of course, that they don't teach the Weimar Republic in American K-12 schools. But with that aside, if you eliminate now the Department of Education given its size, and I'll, get, I'll hand it to Betsy DeVos. They fired a bunch of people, thousands, as a matter of fact, and they didn't hire anybody back. That, of course, has changed since Miguel Cardona has taken over and they've hired a bunch of people back, of course, and made it 10 times gayer than it's ever been. The problem is, is that it just becomes a tool for politicians to use in order to further indoctrinate everybody. The real elimination of the Department of Education should come from a lack of participation at the local level. If people walked away from the American K-12 school system permanently, the Department of Education would cease to exist. It might exist in some capacity in an effort to squash homeschoolers and uh, and try to uh, advocate, because they're not a lawmaking body, but they could advocate for legislation to come after homeschoolers in a unconstitutional method, that might end up being sort of the reverse of all of that. But what would happen if you just eliminated the Department of Education is that corruption would go down to the state level at, at a, basically in a way that you, would, you can't possibly imagine. And it would filter down even to the local level where the individuals at the local level would make everything 20 times gayer than it already is. It would be way worse 
If you think rainbow flag stickers on a door or inside of a classroom is a problem, wait for the elimination of the Department of Education. And then, of course, you're going to end up with teachers wearing rainbow dresses. Of course, they probably already do, but you get what I'm saying. It, it will just get a whole lot worse. There will be less teaching taking place. Now, with that said, there's a flip side to this coin. The flip side is, is that this is a band-aid that has to be ripped off. Yes, the Department of Education should be eliminated. However, you have to eliminate then the local ability of these schools and these school districts and these state education officials to have that corrupt influence over the local level by not participating anymore. What it would also do, of course, is it would cripple the global ability and the global influence over the state and local officials to have a say in what goes on in American K-12 schools. And we really know that that's the real problem. It has to do with global influence and global money. It just depends on who is sitting within this created position back in 1979 of the Department of Education as that's taking place. Is globalism having an influence over the people that work within those buildings? Of course. Is it having an influence over both Republicans and Democrats on a global level? Sure it is. Again, no offense to Melania Trump. She's easy on the eyes, and I'm fortunate enough to have an autographed letter from her. But my point is, is that even she participated unknowingly, or naively, I should say, in the Be Best program. That Be Best program was led by individuals who were tied directly to social and emotional learning programs. That's a serious problem. I fully understand that, again, she cared about the mental and emotional health of children, but it's not the school environment that is supposed to be counseling these children. It's not the school environment that's supposed to be engaging in any of this. Not really. That's the family's job. But this is what happens when government gets so big, and these departments end up infiltrating the lives of parents, families, and children. As government starts to see these students, quote-unquote, as their own, quote-unquote, children, that's a serious problem. So yes, again, should the Department of Education be eliminated? Of course it should. But if they don't have a plan in place or a strategy, that would be like, again, in warfare, going through a particular town or a city and clearing out all the bad guys. And then you just keep moving forward without looking behind you to see who's following you. And who's following them, of course, and who would follow the elimination of the Department of Education without, without, I should say, any real oversight is going to be globalists and the, uh, the Kazarian Mafia. Again, many of which are going to be of Jewish descent. This is a, this is a problem. And you're going to have these individuals again with a lot of money and a lot of influence. And all they're going to be able to do now is just hopscotch right over top the Department of Ed because it won't be there. So it won't matter who's holding office anymore, and they'll have a direct line into state departments of education in the local level. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying to yourself, Sean, they already have that influence at the state and local level. They can already hop over the Department of Education. Yes, exactly. I'm not saying the Department of Education shouldn't be eliminated. It should. It's just that people need to buckle up. Because the global influence that's already taken place now would just get kicked into fifth gear. That pedal would be to the floor. There'd be no one in sight, wide open road. 
and it would become way, way worse than you could possibly imagine. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Eliminate the Department of Education. But if you don't eliminate it from the bottom up also, then you're going to allow for the global influence is my whole point. I know I'm repeating myself and rambling, but I, I hope you get what I'm saying. You you have to you have to close the you have to close the door from from both angles. You don't close it one at a time, and and leave room in between. You have to slam them both shut. And the lack of participation within the public education realm is the way to get that done. Same thing at the university level. Stop going to brick and mortar schools. Stop playing their game. What do you mean I have to live in a dormitory for two out of the four years? you know, and be pumped with 5G and wireless this, and I can't carry a gun. Uh, you know, you're playing the globalist game. You're putting yourself at risk. So put yourself in a position where you're not putting yourself at risk because you're not playing the globalist game. That's one less person that isn't involved. That's one less wallet that's not paying into that globalist system that, again, seeks to completely control people and normalize that control. So it's not a, you know, I, I understand it gets a lot of clicks. Oh, Thomas Massey is calling for the Department of Ed, and then memes get created, and then people are like, oh, this is great. They need to think of the bigger picture. The elimination of the Department of Ed isn't the only thing that needs to occur. It's warfare, and it's a war for the mind. And it's always been that way, and it's always going to be that way. But if you don't take away the battlefield completely, then the globalists are still going to have a playground. And they can't. We can't let that happen. Which leads me to this. Again, Josh Hawley, apparently, is interested in making social media uh, illegal for children under 16. So again, from the Gateway Pundit, he introduces a bill to ban social media for children under 16. Now, he's a politician. He came on the scene very quickly. Uh, you know, haircut, suit, chiseled jaw, good for him. Uh, you know, this, this is a problem. Censorship is a problem. And we are living in a time now that is different from any other. And so I put this on Gab, and it created quite, quite the interesting little debate in the comments section. And as you would expect, a debate has two opposing sides. And here were the sides that were taken. There were individuals, again, who were, one in particular, who said that they used to be in IT back when the internet was first going. And they said to themselves, even back then, that social media was going to be a problem, that it was going to lead to the uh, degradation of society and a variety of other things. I'm not, I'm not discrediting that at all. I can see particular points in that. Then there were other individuals who were saying, wait a minute, where are the parents? This is a parental responsibility issue. This has nothing to do with anything else other than that. You, you can't squash free speech among minors. You can't squash the ability to find information among minors. You know, another individual said something like their grandmother got them an Alexa, and before you knew it, their child was on, you know, was looking up. Uh, or, or had come across whatever it was, some gruesome video of somebody being killed. And they were like, well, their grandma gave it to them, so, you know, that's the way it is. So they're blaming grandma, but they're, they're not accepting any responsibility as the parent for what the child is watching or not watching or what device they have in their hands or what they don't have in their hands. 
This is a slippery slope. And I also said this on Gab a while ago, which is Josh Hawley, of course, was one of the major individuals who's, who's interested in, in eliminating TikTok. So let's look at it objectively. If he wants to get rid of TikTok, is it because it's a Chinese spy agency? Or is it because there's a lot of red pilling that goes on on TikTok? Yeah, there's a lot of retards. We know that. You know, I'm dancing a particular way. You need to do the same thing. Let's make a video about it. Those people aren't going to make it. I mean, there is such a thing as natural selection, and, and we don't live in the matrix, and we can see the people who are awake and the people who are asleep. You know, if you're, if you're trying to dance your way out of your pajamas and you think it's funny and, and you want to do that with your friends, you're going to die because <laughs> you're just not that smart, and that's what you're doing. Uh, in your spare time instead of, you know, reading or exercising and whatever else. So you go do that. And for the rest of us, we'll pay attention to particular TikTok videos without being on TikTok, by the way. And I pay attention to TikTok videos, play some of them here on the show. I'm not on TikTok at all. I don't have an account. But eliminating that, I, I think, I, I just think that there's more to it than that. I mean, could it be, ladies and gentlemen, that Republican congressmen and women uh, who are, again, Republicans, want to eliminate TikTok because it's red-pilling people about government and corruption and medicine and education and a variety of things, MKUltra and Operation Mockingbird and a thousand, other, a thousand other subjects, Earth not being a spinning ball, being God-created. There's a thousand videos out there on TikTok and other platforms that, that wake people up, but Holly wants that gone. So how about we just do this instead? Instead of calling it the uh, Making Age Verification Technology Uniform, Robust, and Effective Mature Act, which is what he's apparently calling it, instead of doing that, which seems completely unconstitutional, how about you just advocate without making a law? You just advocate for parental responsibility. Be responsible with your children. Don't give them a cell phone. Limit what's on the cell phone. Tell them it's only for emergencies because that's what cell phones used to be for. I mean, I remember being a kid back in the day. My parents had a cell phone. It was one of those cellul cellular one bag cell phones. You plugged it into a cigarette lighter, and we only used it in emergencies. We only used it when we were trying to call somebody, you know, when we were on a road trip or something to see if it was snowing ahead of us or, you know, if there was a snow day in the town where we live or whatever it was. That was about it. It, of course, is a completely different device now, and we know that. But parents need to be responsible. You know, the parents that disgust me, too, are the ones who hand their cell phones to children when they're in restaurants. And they're like, here, look at this. Here, pay attention to this. Don't listen to adult conversations and increase your vernacular through observation and listening while, while politely keeping your mouth closed. But stare at this screen and play a useless game. Play Angry Birds for two hours. That's ridiculous. But censoring free speech and the ability to look up accurate information and question government, I have a problem with that. Everybody should have a problem with that. I don't care if there's an R or a D after your name or not. That's a serious issue. So I disagree with what he's proposing. Again, I understand he's a politician. He's probably two-faced. 
on a variety of issues, and he's trying to come off as being the socially responsible parent. Because again, a lot of people do that. They'll claim to be socially responsible, and then they want the elimination of something that is a fundamental right that we have in this country. And the ability to look up information regardless of age is a fundamental right. We have that right. And social media has been transformed into one of those avenues. Is it used for crime? Of course it's used for crime. But back at the beginning of the internet, there was no real social media. There were just chat rooms. You just got into a chat room. There was a little emoji that would pop up and you could curse at a stranger in Vietnam. It didn't matter what conversation you were having or what was really going on. Was it an intele- you know, intellectual conversation of any kind? You could just curse at whoever you wanted to and people just seemed to enjoy that. Look, I'm cursing at a total stranger and I told them to go F themselves and that was hilarious. And then that would be the end of it. Social media has changed now. Now it's a weapon for truth. And we're the ones that run it. It's the good guys that, that really run it. Yes, bad guys use it, but that's the world we live in. Keeping it out of the hands of children from government's standpoint and government, you know, in their long arm, keeping it out of children is a problem. That's a parental responsibility thing. Parents need to be more responsible with it. Should children have social media accounts when they're, when they're young? Probably not. Does that keep them from watching social media? Not necessarily, no. You can, you can read posts on Gab without having a Gab account. You can, you can watch BitChute without having a BitChute account. That's the, that's the beauty of those programs. But, yeah, the long arm of government getting involved is, is the biggest issue, and I fundamentally disagree with that. So, there you go. Uh, okay, a couple of things real quick. I want to mention this. This was in, in, I'm going to round out the episode with this. Quick little funny story from Australia. Uh, you, you can't even make this up. It, it, it even made the nightly news. There was a, a news report of a woman who was so adamant to not receive the jabs that she hired a schizophrenic to pretend to be her so that she wouldn't have to get the jab for her work environment because she knew that the jab was killing people. So she had the schizophrenic take the jabs in, in lieu of her taking them, and now the schizophrenic has heart problems as a result. What this same individual did, who paid and coerced the schizophrenic to receive the jabs in her place, pretending to be her, again, you can't make this up, it's too funny. It's just too funny. Is that she attempted to have herself bitten by a snake in order to avoid the jabs. So let this be a lesson to everybody that us purebloods are actually willing to hire schizophrenics to take the jabs for us because we know what they are and we don't want them. And we are also willing to be bitten by snakes in order to have a medical issue to avoid having to take the shots. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, a snake bite is more desirable to us than injecting ourselves with at least two rounds of a biological weapon made by government and eugenicists. This woman, of course, has been criminally charged and is in court and going to court in the future and is expected to be prosecuted potentially. 
clever. I mean, you got to hand it to her. It's clever. It's just very, very strange. Okay. Uh, I received this email from a listener, and I wanted to mention this. I believe they are located in New York, if memory serves. My apologies for getting the location wrong if I did. But uh, I asked them if they could, I, I could read this email on the show, and they said absolutely. So here's what they said. They said, hey, Sean, a few episodes back, you asked about jab health status for people in our everyday lives and how they are doing. They said, quote, I work in a small office with 75% of the office vaccinated, at least two shots for them. Thankfully, they all appear to be perfectly fine, which leads me to believe the bad batch theory or what Dr. Ryan Cole is saying. It's possible that they are all receiving the shots from the same place at the exact same time as well as well since they were all very vocal about quote unquote doing the right thing. They then said, my wife's work is a little different. Small office again, but about 99% of the office vaccinated. Again, most feel, most feel fine, although one employee got Bell's palsy. Assuming it, this was from the jab, since this person runs around the office flashing their vax card in excitement when they get their new injection. When my wife told me about it, she showed me the picture of this coworker on their Facebook page. In the comments, two others reported face paralysis. So in one Facebook page, you had different people reporting Bell's palsy, Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, and Guillain-Barre syndrome. It's a mystery. Everyone just complained how bad it sucks with no idea why it's happening. Another guy at her work did end up in the hospital after the second shot, some kind of respiratory issue, and the same guy's wife ended up in the hospital for blood clots. This particular guy sends an email to the whole office when he's getting boosted because he has to take the next day off because of side effects. I've been meaning to share this with you to help with your investigative efforts, which we appreciate a lot. Your coverage of the Ohio derailment is very helpful to my family. We are taking inventory on where all our food drink comes from moving forward, unquote. Thank you for the email. To give you an update, too, on the train derailment, uh, your, your email again and reading it here live just uh, reminded me of something. The NOAA, if I'm saying that right, it's on my Gab page, they have a projection of the quote-unquote fallout area regarding the air and uh, the potential acid rain and whatever, and it is mo- I have that map on my Gab page, but it's, it's well into Pennsylvania uh, along the Great Lakes there. So. Yeah. I, you know, be careful is about all I can say. I, I don't know what else, I don't know what else to say or do necessarily. I know there are individuals that have water purifying technologies at their disposal, water testing things at their disposal. Um, that's certainly something that, that individuals could acquire if, if they're interested and uh, would probably be worth it. So that's the latest I have on that. But again, thank you for the email. Amazing uh, work environment stuff. It has to be. It has to be occurring all over the place. And when you peel back one layer of that onion, and you find your way onto a Facebook page, and more individuals talking about it and and sharing their experiences, yeah, it's it's just it's going to get worse. Let me mention this too, and this will be the last post I read. This is from Great Awakening. Win. It's interesting. Uh, it describes 
an individual experiencing adverse reactions, predictable at this point, reactions from the jabs, but, uh, but it's waking them up, albeit a little too late, but it's still waking them up nonetheless. It says, quote, it's titled this, my fiance and I warned her mother to stay away from the vaccines. She is a hardcore lefty. She didn't listen. She got her second booster a few months ago, so she's four deep. She has been seeing a doctor for neuro decline. She just went to a dermatologist for pre-cancer bumps on her face. She has been awakened. It says, quote, she's been going to the doctor for all sorts of tests. She says her balance is off and she can't think very well. Says her brain feels cloudy. She believed she was developing neuro decline because that is what her doctor told her. Then she started developing bumps on her face. They did a biopsy and the results were precancerous growths. Her dermatologist told her she is seeing this same presentation in many of her patients because they're jabbed. Uh, continues, it says they are all complaining about their brain function declining and developing precancerous bumps. He asked her if she was vaccinated, and when she said yes, he said, that is your problem. He told her the vaccines were killing her and to stop taking them. Look at that. Boom. I red-pilled my fiancé several years ago, showed her all the Q proofs along, with, along the way. Uh, we are both purebloods. We tried to convince her mother and we failed. My fiancé's brother was also trying to tell her she called him a conspiracy theorist. I imagine she was calling me a conspiracy theorist as well, and my fiancé failed to tell me. All this time, my future mother-in-law was telling my fiancé, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. She has serious Trump derangement syndrome. She wouldn't come visit us because we were unvaccinated. Well, she finally found a doctor that told her the truth. My fiancé just told me this news yesterday. It is strange that people will not take advice from people who love them, but will take advice from complete strangers. I think she has finally woken up. I bet the same scenario is going on everywhere. We are winning, slowly and surely. Stay safe, my friends. Where we go one, we go all. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. It's unfortunate it had to come to this and that it took this long, but that's what needs to happen. We need awake medical professionals to say these things to the asleep. It's, it's the only way. And yes, they may be saying it directly to, their, to the faces of the jabbed, but they have to say it anyway. What do you have to lose? You have your medical license to lose, but ladies and gentlemen, in the future, we're not going to need those pieces of paper anymore. You've heard me rail on that before. Teaching certificates, medical licenses, law licenses. It's the licensure that hangs over the heads of all of these individuals uh, as an albatross that has just sucked the ability of these people to tell the truth and to do what they are obligated to do. Once you take those away, you can still have oversight. It's, you know, it's called, hopefully, a just judicial system and, and police departments to prosecute people for wrongdoing. 
And of course, the internet exists. That's the ultimate oversight to some extent. But we have to get rid of these medical licenses because monsters are the ones who are retaining them. It's the freedom fighters that don't care about losing them. So keep that in mind going forward. Okay. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, Again, always check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information if you are interested. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, there's been more train derailments already, just as I've been talking. One in Detroit or in the Detroit area, and it doesn't seem to be stopping, so not an accident. With that said, I'll catch you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.